Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Songhez Omapete on SAFM. Since the early 1990s, South Africa has lost more than 80% of its capacity to support its own manufacturing sectors. One of the main reasons for that has been due to the neglect and decline of the local tooling sector, and this has had an exponentially negative impact on the manufacturing economy, which has led to deindustrialization. Tooling is a multi-sector requirement, primarily in the automotive, steel, and aerospace fields. This loss of capacity is directly linked to international trade and the outsourcing of tooling to the rapidly developing and highly competitive Chinese tooling industry. We speak to the Production Technologies Association of South Africa, that's the PTSA, which represents the tool, the dye, the mold, and the special machining industry to discuss more the decline in capacity in the industry and the loss of competitiveness leading to the loss of ability to support the manufacturing sector and the economy. And I suppose really Tapiwa Samanga, the Chief Executive Officer of the Production Technologies Association of South Africa, he's on the line. Tapiwa, there's only one word, really, that irrespective of what we will ever say is a constant feature to this general decline, and that word is China. Um, good evening, Songhez, and uh, good evening to your listeners. Um, I would say so, uh, but then um, maybe in a very careful way, is that um, the Chinese did what they had to do, mm-hmm. um, given the opportunities that were presented to them. Sure. And uh, the onus was on us to do what we needed to do um, to save our own industry, uh, which we, we did not do. The question then uh, becomes... I mean, if we're talking about the decline from the 90s, nobody can sort of run away from the reality of where South Africa politically was in the 90s. And in 1994, in particular, the audits reflect in terms of GDP contribution. Mining and manufacturing was sitting at number one. Manufacturing specifically was sitting at number one. That has now declined. It is sitting in the region of four stroke number five contributor to the national GDP, but more especially so in terms of real growth. It has declined in relation to her contribution. Should this be a concern, or are the other economies of scale that have been offset, or that are offsetting rather this decline? Um, it, it should be of, of, of concern. It, it should be of concern. Um, any industrializing nation... Um, has got um, a sound and sustainable manufacturing base um, as, as its um, uh, bedrock uh, of, of, of the economy. Um, and um, for South Africa, uh, well, uh, we, we can say 94, uh, and we don't want people to probably link that to independence uh, because there were, quite, there were a number of things happening uh, around the world that made the world go if not only us in South Africa, but quite a number of uh, countries as well. Even your America, uh, people went to, to the East to get uh, cheaper manufacturing of their uh, tooling capacity. But um, the, 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 the issue then is where we are now, um, we need to maybe now start focusing on what is it that we can claw back? What is it that we can get back? Uh, the term that we usually use for that is reshoring. 
what is it that we have sent offshore that we can actually bring back to to our shores and um, and and start and start working on. Um, it it made sense then, um, and part of that was actually the onset of globalization. Businesses were looking for nodes or for uh, jurisdictions where they could uh, derive value um, or, or maximize profit by sending production to to to, to um, areas or jurisdictions of low cost, and that happened to be to be the east uh, or the far east at that point. But now uh, we have realized, with, uh, especially just now, with uh, what we experienced with COVID, supply chains were disrupted. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't easy now to just get things uh, from far off places to bring them into um, your, your production. So. A lot of countries are reflecting, and that includes us as well, to say, what is it that we need to do now to get things back onto our shores? We might never get back um, a lot of that capacity, but there's a few niche areas that we can actually get back. Which are? Um, we have got, um, we've got companies in South Africa. Um, when, when I'm talking about the tooling space, for instance, mm. um, uh, you've got your what you call your presses. These are the sort of things that we use, let's say, to shed uh, the parts of your car, like the bonnet. What did you say that we was? Pre- I beg your pardon. Um, let's say presses, press yeah. tools. Yes, yes. Uh, if, I, if if I take, for instance, your car, the bonnet, mm. um, um, it will be a flat sheet of metal, and we press it to, mm. to give the shape that it has. Now, we call that a press tool. Yes. Or sometimes we call that standing. So for for those uh, big parts, we have lost capacity over that. It's going to um, to take quite some serious, very focused and intentional investment to get that part of that back. But what we have now, or what we have at the moment, is of course the smaller parts, uh, the smaller components. The tooling here is being made in the country. I was. I mean, I'm speaking to you from Pinetown. I spent the morning uh, in a factory that is making parts for uh, one of the uh, local brands that we are making locally. Uh, but, but then those, those are the, sm- the small parts that, that is being done here. But what we also have is we've got about four or five companies within the country that are actually world-class in what we call assembly systems. That is the systems that put things together. So if we talk about a car, for instance, if you go into uh, into uh, a car manufacturing plant, um, the systems that put it together, that you see uh, maybe uh, pieces of flat sheets of metal from the end and then the other end, uh, an hour later you see a car drive out. That plant or the systems that put it together, we've got a few companies in the country that are good at that uh, and that are global, that are world-class. So we can build on that. To, as a bedrock in terms of um, supporting what we still have and then claw back what, what, what we still can. If our numbers, the last count, our numbers were that the South African local tooling industry was supplying about 15% of the local tooling market. So we are quite down. And our aim as an association is to rally our members to get those numbers uh, uh, going upwards. 
that 85%, for instance, if you're talking about the 15% supply being local, who has the chunk of that 85%? Um, so mainly it will be those big parts that I've actually talked about. And then also, uh, when, when you look at the big um, plastic parts, let's say um, your bin, your trolley bin, the one that you use to, to the kind of one that you use to, to, uh, yeah, to throw yeah. away your stuff. Yeah. yeah, that one. It's made from a tool. So it might be manufactured here, but the tool that makes it will be important. What I'm really so, trying to engage is in terms of the percentages of local capacity. I mean, if we're saying we've lost more than 80% of capacity to support the manufacturing sectors, where has yeah. that 80% gone to? In other words, which country essentially or which region has flooded the South African market for this manufacturing space? Essentially, if it is the Far East, uh, that would include your China, um, your Thailand, um, your Malaysia. The question then becomes is, do we try and claw back or do we shift our focus? In other words, I mean, it's an open known thing in, in, in the economics world that China is the world's manufacturer. For instance, yesterday we had the former CEO of ESCOM telling us, if you're talking about the renewable energy space, all of the equipment that deals with ultimately the migration from typical coal fuel-based energy to the renewable-based energy, China supplies 80% of that equipment that goes into global renewals. Now, we probably will not be in a position to compete if this conversation can be migrated from that context. Is it still worth to try and claw our way back in the manufacturing sector, or do we simply transfer, if you like, our muscle to another sector of the economy where then we can establish, if you will, the parity or the equilibrium? I've asked a question. It's a bit long. After the ad break, you will have an opportunity to respond, please, after the ad break. Yeah? on SAFM. We're back talking to Mr. Tapiwa Samanga, Chief Executive Officer of the Production Technologies Association of South Africa. We're talking about specifically how toolmaking can be a game changer in the South African economic landscape. We have spent a bit of time talking about some of the economic losses or the challenges brought on by the recent world in which we have now become a part of in the global village, the emergence of China in the economy and how China specifically is now the world's global manufacturer and opportunities within that still for South Africa. Of course, I have asked a question. Tapio, you're going to respond to it now. Thank you. Thank you so much. I think what, what, is, what, 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 what would help is for us to unpack in terms of how did China get to the position where it is now? And why, how did we get to the position that we are also in now, mm-hmm. where we have actually lost capacity? Um, if, if you talk to the elders in the sector, they will actually tell you that um, the first assembly plant, motor vehicle assembly plant, to be installed in China was actually made in PE. So it's, and that's like 30 years ago. Mm. And those, uh, I mean, Chinese people were actually involved in that. And those people actually tell you that when they went to do that in China, they were of the opinion that this, um, they will never amount to anything because they were so far behind. But it was about the program that China put in place that took them to the position where they are now. 
So we have to be strategic in how, in what we are going to target to claw back. Let me give you just an, uh, an example of something that has been maybe hot uh, in the press of late. Um, the issues around local content, um, around, let's say, ESCO, for instance. Yeah. I used to work in the DTR. And we, 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 we had a program where we were saying there are certain elements in ESCOM that we needed to localize, to be made local. One of those things was bath. We picked up that we were 30% more expensive than China. But part of the process were to, to actually identify what, what is it that uh, comprised that 30%? What made us more expensive than China? Was it material? Was it process efficient? And what is it that we were able, what is it that we are willing uh, to invest in so that we actually reduce that 30%? So we were not able, so the idea or the theory then, um, I've since not been in that thing, but the, I can take that theory uh, or, or that, that, that narrative to where we are now. So that when, when, you are, when you are faced in such a situation, you then actually say, okay, do I need to improve my process efficiency? Do I need to improve um, uh, my, 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 my logistics? Do I need to improve my skills? And then you identify those key areas where you actually think you can actually get back. So when we are looking at, uh, at the South African uh, in, 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 in industry, especially around tooling, there are things that we have actually identified which present a challenge for South African companies to compete. So the things that, well, two of the things that we're actually focusing on now uh, is skills development and also enterprise competitiveness. Uh, our companies, how do our companies compete with uh, best in class in the world? So we've got actually two programs that we run. One of them is actually to improve the competitiveness of our companies. And some of the companies, some of those companies that I told you that they are now world class, they actually went through our program. And when you look at them now, most of them, around 80% of their products and services are exported, which means not only are we doing it locally, but we're actually now sending products into the world market as well. Then in terms of skills, what we are doing is we are now training our own toolmakers to a standard that the world actually acknowledges as global, as global standard. So you pull it back. And when you go into this, you go a long haul. I say China, it took them about 30 years to get to where they are now, and probably even longer if you go back to the mid-80s. So there has to be a day one where you say, strategically, we are going to focus maybe uh, putting a 30-year or a 40-year, 50-year horizon, but we start today. We sort out our skills. We sort out um, uh, uh, our companies. We develop niches that we know that in 10 years, in five years, in 10 years, we're actually going to be world beaters. And we focus on that. It's doable. It certainly is doable. And I suppose... Even within that conversation, we have to have the conversation in the South African context, how then the role of FETs is to, or rather the role of FETs in that and the capacitation of FETs, your technical colleges in South Africa, and making artisans, the trade schools, really schools where they can give this economy the kind of necessary impetus to which you make reference and obviously then access to these markets. So in a minute or two, talk to us about the importance then of the training grounds at basic education level, especially. Um, we, we have to be brave, especially when we deal with civic colleges, review their mandate. 
review um, how we actually training compared uh, to the best in class or to the best in the world. I, I think we are, we are not brave enough. If things have to be changed, we have to change them. Um, it's not a, from our uh, own evaluation, it's not about money. We have enough money to do this. Uh, we actually spend more money per capita than some of our, rich, our, our poor uh, European counterparts. But the issue is how do we apply the resources? Are we applying the resources in those areas uh, where uh, we can create more jobs? Like we know for toolmaking that if you train one toolmaker, a toolmaker creates 27 jobs. So we focus on those key skills which have got big multipliers, which can actually stimulate growth in the economy and unashamedly put resources onto those and produce more numbers on those and also put capacity in our civic colleges. Not all of them. We need to just pick probably a few. It's a program that probably has happened with the, what we are calling centers of specialization. But I think we need more effort. We need more investment to actually go into that for us to reap benefits on it. And again, as I said, go for the long haul. We need to know that these civic colleges provide uh, trained toolmakers. That one tra- uh, trained boilermakers to a standard that is globally acknowledged. I couldn't have said it better myself. Let's leave it there. Thank you so much for your time, Tapio. You are very passionate about this. How toolmaking can be a game changer in the South African economic landscape. Well, listen to Tapio for his thoughts and more. Certainly, this conversation is enough to get at least the conversation going. Unfortunately, the time is up now. It is time for news at 22 hours. Is it Greg Hose Lesejo? Thumbs up? It is indeed my main man, Greg Hose.